of saying to people, this is what, at the start of the year, I honestly think this, that God is wanting to apprehend your heart and cause you to come awake and give you a true intention to believe in the dream called church. Say church. Church is a wild idea of God that he can reconcile a group of people together to be a mighty force of good, praying God's kingdom down, your will to be done, your kingdom come. Do you know you have to have a renewed mind to understand what God's will is? That is another thing, that you have to have a renewed mind to understand what God's will is in 09. You can't have an 08 mindset. You've got to have an 09 mindset. So I'm praying this to you. Fresh new beginnings for 09. A new mindset, a new heart, new zeal, new passion, fresh faith. However you want to say it. New oil, fresh bread, fresh manna. Because if you eat the old stuff, it just got maggots in it. You need fresh manna. You need fresh bread. You should be in your word of God right now. You should be dialoguing with God. You should be writing in your diary. Hearing what he's saying. Because God is speaking. Last week, we had a fantastic time. But at night, I preached great. and Church was fantastic. Good energy in the house. And at night, Julie preached fantastic. And I'm thinking, well, let's just go home now. But an hour and a half later, the people had come out and responded. And all over the floor was people being blessed by God, being spoken to by God. Because who knows that being under the Spirit of God, being laid out in the Spirit of God, is not all about, you know, just these ideas that you think, but maybe it's God speaking to you, reconciling you, you know, uh, complimenting your life, but opening your ears again, sharpening your vision again. Because we can get dull. You can get dull, and even in the day in which you live, you can't see God working. You can't see how God's working in your life. If your eyes are dull, if your ears are dull, you can't hear what God wants you to do, what God wants you to say, who to lay hands on, where to go. I believe in every day you should pray where to go even. I'm a bit of a procrastinator, but I think it's for a good reason. Because I have people come to me, let's do this, let's go, let's do that. And let's, let's do, be and go. And I say, hang on. Let's pray about it. Even a good thing like going to the beach. I think we need to be so intentional with our life. I think we need to be in the rhythm of life. I think we need to be in the groove of God. I think we need to walk in the Spirit. By faith, we need to walk in the Spirit. Who's with me on that one? You know, you know when you're out of the Spirit, red lights are hitting you all the time, and you're caught up in lines, and People misunderstand you and, and uh, nothing goes right. You meet the wrong people at the wrong time, at the, in the wrong place. You know when you're in the rhythm of life, you're meeting the right people at the right time in the right place. Uh, and that's walking in the Spirit. I believe there's such a flow in God's Spirit. When you're intuitive to God and your spirit is in touch with God, it's then when the adventure begins. And I sense this, that there is an adventure in 09 to up the ante of faith, to believe for a harvest of your righteousness for you to grow in God. We need to break you out of the backyard of your own life. Some people find themselves in the backyard of their own life. 
perpetually, year in, year out. Same mindset, same habits. No, God wants you to climb up like a little kid over that fence and have a look. And I remember doing this as a little kid about seven. We'd hit the cricket ball over the back fence and I was nominated to get it. So I'd peer up over the fence and I see these great big sundials, sunflowers in fact, beginning to come up, up out of the garden of the lady's garden next door. And I just stopped looking at me with these big, you know, those tall ones, they grow quite tall, these sundials, these big six-inch plates of beautiful canary yellow, magnificent flowers that were saying to me, there's more, there's more outside. And I think for us as a people, we need to look on the horizon of our life of 09. Maybe if you're in the wilderness, have a look on the edge of the wilderness and have a look and see that the land is good. There might be giants there, and there are. Some people's giants are financial giants, doubt giants, accusation giants. There's apparently six giants. Those giants that were in the promised land represented strongholds that are still prevalent on the planet right now. Some people never go into the promised land because they're bound financially. They can't ever relinquish to God what is his and they can't believe for prosperity. Another one is accusation. They have a fear of man. They're worried about what man thinks of them and they never stand up into who they are in God. And so we could talk about that, that those six giants in the promised land represent strongholds that are on the planet right now. But this is the day to believe and we've got to stretch for it. Say stretch. You've got to stretch for this stuff to believe that the church can be the church. There's a big stretch happening right now for a lot of people that are, that are being asked to believe in a supernatural church because it's only in the supernatural church that we will see growth in your life and in the numerical growth of the church. There's only one way someone comes to Jesus, as Scott was saying, and that is by God drawing them. Father God chose them. And he was working on them from the beginning. And then Jesus saves them and the Holy Spirit seals it in the Holy Ghost. And so what we've got to believe is that this house will become more supernatural. The prophets are saying for 09 that watch out, the supernatural for 09. And the only way I know how to get the supernatural in a life, in the life of the church, is through prayer. It's being hooked up with God, communing with God, in touch with God, walking with God. Build and grow. Vision, that's our vision for this year. Let me just say this to you before I just go into a couple of things. Um, Church should be the most powerful answer for a lost and dying world in these respects. You can write these down just quickly. Church should be a pleasant place of love, forgiveness and acceptance. Of course it should. And a lot of people are saying, and I love this about the culture that we are perfecting, and we haven't got it all together, but we are perfecting in the life of this church that we want it to be a friendly house. We want it to be a house of love. We're a little bit in your face about that. We're not standoffish. We're not on the back foot sizing you up, weighing you up. Are you rich enough? Are you good looking enough? We don't care. We're just in your face saying, hey, you're one of us made in the likeness of God. 
We want to dignify you in loving you, showing you friendliness, kindness. We want to bless you with God's love. And the only way that I see that truly we can love, not with just agape love, but with, with love that is from God, is to have it supernaturally deposited into our life and then for it to flow out through our countenance, through our smile, through everything that we do. And that's how it should be in the life of the church. Forgiveness, of course, and acceptance should be in the house of God. Second, church should have a a business end where we must incline ourselves to God for healing, deliverance, sanctification. We had an empowerment. We had some of that last week on the altar. Great. And prosperity. There's a business end. We want to see you blessed. We want to see you set free, delivered, sanctified. We want to see you mature in God. And we want to see you rocking financially so that you can be blessed to be a blessing. Do you know what I'm saying? We're very intentional about that. Four, but then there is another need people have, and that is purpose. A lot of people just floundering, aimlessly dwelling. Without vision, we dwell carelessly. The Bible says we dwell carelessly. We're, another version says we're, we're, we're ungovernable. We, we, you can't govern me. All you talk about money and prayer and being a church. I don't have a vision for souls. I don't have a vision for the kingdom. And you'll find a lot of people who don't have discipline for their life or vision for their life, they just get you know, ragtag. They're ungovernable. They get unfit. They have no desire to be fit. I have a desire to stay half fit so I can climb mountains, do base jumping, go off a Tarzan rope on Boxing Day with my family. My brothers always come up Boxing Day and they couldn't believe it. My brother, he's 42 years of age now, he jumps up on my fence and does a horsey into my in-ground pool. I mean, we just couldn't believe it. Like a grown-up guy like that. I mean, in your teens you can do that. But he just, and we dare each other to do radical things like that, but you have to be half fit. He's the second best motocross rider in, in the state of New South Wales. But he's, he's fit. And why he needs to be fit is because he wants to compete. Do you know what I'm saying? So when you've got discipline, when you've got vision, vision for your life, vision for your church, you become very intentional. You become very intentional with your life when you want to give to Rise and Build. You're careful how many times you go to Macca's, how many specials you buy on Boxing Day maybe, I don't know. But when you don't give to God to rise and build your tithes, your money just flitters away, doesn't it? Haggai says it's like your pocket's got holes in it. Man, I had 300 bucks, where did it go? And I haven't even given to God. Just goes through your pockets. But when you've got discipline to give to God, to Him to be top priority, it's seemingly amazing how supernatural your finances can go out and do so much more than when... Because the Bible says the tithe is holy. And when you give what God is God, the holy amount, the rest becomes holy. The, the rest becomes sanctified. The 90% becomes sanctified and energized by the right hand of God on it. And seemingly, it just is able to do so much more. Who believes in that? When I serve God and acknowledge God and come to church... My whole life becomes committed and sanctified and blessed in God. What's the other one? All the good work the Lord does settles the past 
assures our future and gives meaning to today. That is the good news. That's why this scripture is so powerful. Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed you, anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Poor people meaning that they have no reliance in God. Not poor who have got no money, but poor people that don't have a trust in God. Do you know what I'm saying? They believe in themselves. They believe in their own power, their own abilities. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. That's people who have no vision. And release the oppressed. And Julie said this last Sunday night, Isaiah 60 verse 1, Arise, shine, for your light has come, see through Tagra. This is the day to arise and shine and stretch for the church and be the church. This year we are believing in so much more that we can do for God. We're believing in souls. We're believing in outreaches, small groups, large groups. We're believing that people will begin to step up to the plate and nominate themselves to help build this church, not be just pew sitters. Because pew sitters don't build the church. Hey, Nick, how you going, buddy? Isaiah 60, verse 1, Arise and shine, for your light has come. And I feel the light has come. I feel the anointing is upon the house. There is a challenge. There is a challenge. And this is it in a nutshell. God is building a very intentional church of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. But God is wanting this church not be just like a, a church of just meeting and humbly coming to a place and learning some of the Bible and getting along with each other. We need to believe in the nitty-gritty, the business end. We need to believe in the business end that God can heal people, save souls, bless people. That's why it's so important that the people we see get blessed and saved out there find their way into the womb of the church. The church is the bride. The womb of the church is the Holy Spirit. When people are saved out there, and yes, a lot of people are being saved out there, but they're finding themselves slipping up on the notion called church. They just can't get their head around it. Look, I believe in God, even Jesus now, but when you talk about coming to church, there's a huge hurdle. And it's a mindset that ordinarily is in people's heads about what church is. They don't understand that church is a gateway to heaven. Like Jacob said, this is none other than the gateway to heaven. This house is an awesome house. That's his dream he had, remember? He had a dream that this is none other than the house of God. How awesome is this house? This is a gateway, a gateway into heaven with its ladder propped up against the sapphire seal of heaven with angels ascending and descending into the house, onto the altar. That's why if you were here last Sunday night, you would have seen people strewn all out on the altar, blessed under the inspiration of God, being blessed, healed, set free, realigned, eyes opening for 09, because eyes for 08 won't do for 09. It's a supernatural, vigorous place of His presence that we're trying to get people into. We're not just trying to get people into the institution called church, but we're trying to get it into a place 
that God has purposed as a pasture, as a place of his abiding presence, of a place where he's working his end time plans out. This is a church of intentionality. Say intentionality. It's a place where you are defined in God supernaturally by the word of God. You become Mr. and Mrs. Incredible. You become someone who used to be a mere citizen of this planet, now as an ambassador with a foreign policy from heaven, outworking God's plans and purposes in every day you live. Amen? Give the Lord a hand right there. Can we just have the PowerPoint? I might just have time to quickly go through that because I'm talking about the supernatural. God's inviting us on a mission of building and growing the local church. And you know this scripture in Genesis 12, 1, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people and your father's household. That's basically what you're saying to people when they get saved. Leave everything maybe that your, your folks have told you. Leave everything you know as a reality of life and come out and live in the kingdom of God. What a wild suggestion. No wonder we need discipleship to help people in this predicament of unhinging themselves from everything they've ever learned, even young people, and asking them on a journey, on a mission to help outwork God's plans across the earth. No wonder they need discipleship because you can lose people in a day. You can get them saved and the next day they're unsaved. They've broken ranks. They've lost their faith because what they've been told by their peers and the people around them is totally opposing any anything of the reality of God's kingdom. That's why they need good friends around them. Your, your children too need good friends in 09. These guys, this row here, number two row, need good friends. People help. Because the Bible says when we come together as a church, we encourage each other. And all the more as you see him approaching. Takes a lot of faith. A lot of, lot of faith to hang tough with God. Become his church. Become a disciple. It takes a lot of faith, but it takes the supernatural. Can I just try and have this PowerPoint? I want to make a point about the supernatural. Unless the Lord builds the house, it's builders and I'm nearly finished. Unless the Lord builds the house, it's builders labor in vain. We're building a house. With an intentionality, I gave my family, my time, everything 12 years ago not to just do church. I gave my time, my family, my children, and the last hurdle that I had to overcome in the calling of God on my life was this, was my children. Because I knew what it meant to put my children on the front line of this battle that we had to push the kingdom forward. Amen? And so when I realized in Isaiah 53, verse 13, that God would God would train up my children, God would nurture, protect my children, as a father I signed relief and said, okay, if you can bless them, protect them, and they are blessed out of this. Look at this wonder. My number one married to this amazing man, Andrew Flaxman. My number one, Jilly. My number two, Jesse, just come back from England on a blessed journey all through Europe. My number three, Jamie. Jamie, who just rocks in so many ways, guitar, singing, and just a musician extraordinary. My number four, Gemma. And I thought I was going to lose all this if I put my family on the front line. But do you know what happened? 
because we grew our kids up in this crucible of niceness. It was almost like Sound of Music. I mean, it really was. It was Juan Trapp and his family, me with a whistle, you know. But I said, my God, am I really, do you really want me, I want to do it, but God, but do you really want me to present my family to the brutality of the kingdom where I've seen even the best men fall and we've seen good men fall, haven't we? We've seen marriages break up. We've seen people fall. Do I want that or do I want to be the Von Trapp family? And I said, no, I must concede, God, that you, you can do it. You are ever available to protect and to bless. And that was relying on the supernatural aspect of God. And with that, just put this up again, that scripture again, Tim, if you could. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. And so we got to believe, like Jacob said, we got to believe for this ladder of intercession to be, I'm calling for prayer right now. If I'm calling for one thing right now, I'm calling you to pray like never before for this house to be energized supernaturally. So when people are prayed for, when people are prayed, their diseases will flee, that will crumble under the weight of the anointing, under the blood of Christ, under the name of Jesus Christ. And then as we preach the gospel, people will be translated into the kingdom. We must have the supernatural. Yes, and continue on, please. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's supernatural. Praise God. Yeah. Spiritual, supernatural. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Colossians 1.13. It is to translate, to transfer people from darkness into, into light. It's a supernatural thing. And we need prayer and we need to believe for God to bring more people through. Yes, and again, just no one can come to the come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. And again, let's just rattle these through. Let's just go through these. This is Father God calling souls through. Calling souls and you're calling them. And the next one, thanks when you can. And that's why we need prayer. That's why you need to invite people and to believe for people. Each one of you should be at least believing for one. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so again, there's a supernatural component. Even to say yes to Jesus, it's by the Holy Spirit. And we've got to ask for the Holy Spirit to do more work there in those tender hearts. I'm talking about youth. I'm talking about grown-ups. Man, I met an 84-year-old Polish wartime survivor the other day. 84. And I was just drawn to this lady and and, and out of the encounter because I found at 14 years of age that she had to bury her out of starvation. Poland was invaded and and um, she got taken off to a work camp. And I'm dr- now I'm driving this lady around. You guys don't even know this, but I'm helping her on her errands and that. She's telling me the gravity of this life lived. And I'm just, just blown. My mind's blown. Uh, I'm just blown out about what freedom is. And because she's saying, I just love life. What, do you love this dingy old street, Tiger Street we drive? I just love it. I just, I just love free. And then she takes us home to her house and shows us her spacious house, which means to her freedom. Space means freedom to her. Look at my trees. 
through which I'm still pruning and, and look at my yard that I mow myself. And out of that encounter with this lady, I realized it's for freedom that we're preaching the gospel. It's for freedom. And people, there's a lot of people that don't know they're in bondage. And the next one. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. And for your growth, for your morphing as a strong believer, we're praying that the Holy Spirit begins to invade your body, reconcile your body, and morph your body, transform your body, energize your body into a more solid believer, a more energized, faith-filled believer. Yes, again. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you. Holy Spirit, guide us into this truth of what you're doing in 09. Guide us. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. What is yet to come in 09? Who's seriously contemplating 09? Who's just case to whatever? Just, oh, 09. I've had 99, 89, 79. I've even lived through 69. That's all the same to me. No, I'm telling you. 09 means something powerful. If you read the prophetic word and if you're in touch with God in any sort of way, you can feel the clarity. You can hear the clarion call of heaven that God is upping the ante through the church, through the gospel, through the supernatural energized church in 09. Next. So it is with you since you are eager to have spiritual gifts. Try to excel in these gifts to build up the church. We're asking that God reveal the gifts that you have. From the front row to the back, there's gifts laying dormant in you, just like that axe handle of Elijah's, Elisha's that was, remember the, the, the prophetic person, he's out there chopping and the axe head, the steel axe head drops in the drink. Some people's calling and their sharp edge of their ministry is in the drink and they're standing beside the river to go, I lost it, Elijah. It's in there. And Elijah flicks a twig in there and up comes the axe head. A steel axe head in water. Now that's supernatural. Who knows that? Your giftedness could be laying dormant in your life. To stretch for the church, you've got to stretch with faith that your giftedness become who you truly are, not who you present to the world. Miss, Mr. and Mrs. Nice. Because sometimes your gift is not nice completely nice. It's a bit more robust. It's a bit more in the face of darkness. It's a bit more in the face of disease. It's a bit more, well, I'm not like that. Disease, go away. Uh, you know, Maybe your gift is in the anointing to be authorized, deputized by the courts of Calvary and say, disease, go in Jesus' name. Oh, that's not like, that's not like Fleur. That's not like Julie. That's not like, that's not like, that is like, that's not like Tash. Stand up, Tash. She's, yeah, that's not like Tash, but the gift in her, when she, the demand is on her life, and God says, do it, sis, do it, I'm with you. Lay hands on the sick. And she just extends the hand, and bang, she becomes a superhero for God. Amen. Next, quickly. But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in, while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by that he is a sinner and will be judged by all. Well, this is talking about tongues. That means if someone comes in right now and I'm going, Merishe mokaribe sebe teterianda, rabo sebo kabishe, lede seba kabaharite, so mokarinde. Now, ordinarily that needs to be interpreted because it, it, it's for edification, but, but come on, guys, get up, be strong and courageous, and engage the dream, the church. 
that's enough. But if someone comes in, the Bible says that supernatural utterance of tongues is enough to get them saved. We need the supernatural to see people saved, Craig. You're right. He's on the money. He has a desire. It's unhealthy for a Christian not to desire the supernatural. Your life is corrupted if you don't believe in the supernatural. The world want it. They're watching Charm. They're watching this. They're watching going to horoscopes. They're going to New Age rallies. It's not right that you don't desire the supernatural. Can I hear an amen? Next, next, quickly, my time's gone. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Got to have love. Got to lead with love. Got to be loved. That's what the Bible says, that they will know us, the unbelievers will know us by our love. Got to have love, guys. Lead with love first. That's the first hand you throw down, love. You can't lead with love, just do something about it, for goodness sake. Next. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Okay, that's fair enough. Next. And you command, I give you, love one another as I have loved you so that, so that you must love one another. To build the church, we need to love each other. Living stones built together as a living temple, built to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. It's a spiritual house. It's a supernatural house. Next. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. It's the supernatural word of God. It's the truth. It is the gospel. That's the only thing that can work to save this wretched world. Next, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's why all the abortion kids, we're going to see them in heaven. Because what God began in the wombs of mothers all over the world, 40 million in America alone, we're going to see them grown up and in heaven. Do you know what I'm saying? And that means all the miscarriages too. So that it's a blessing for some people to hear that. Next, I'm confident of it. He, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets. I'm, I'm pointing out to some people here, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Yeah, any more of that? And there's more. Yeah, now I've got it here. That's my last scripture. Because I didn't give you the rest, did I? I was hoping they'd guess. Hallelujah. Ephesians. Say Ephesians. This is our heart's desire. To prepare, we've said that, there's he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Prepare God's people for works of service. I'm looking at you now out there to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. And amen and amen. Say amen.